0: Good morning again we continue our series this morning our series is entitled finding purpose in god's creation blueprint finding purpose in god's creation blueprint so over the next oops, so five weeks so a couple more weeks we will be in this series um I appreciate Mike's message last week. Uh if you haven't taken uh the time to uh and weren't here, um, like us, stuck with ice, um, please take some time to listen to Mike's message. Um, this this series essentially is building upon one another and and his message is super foundational to um to the rest of the series and um a lot of what I'm going to talk about this morning assumes a, a, a number of things in his message. So please uh, avail yourself this afternoon or, or sometime early this week to, to listen to his message. This morning uh, we're going to talk about <clears throat> the invitation and opportunity of responsibility. I said that to Stephanie last night and she goes, oof. So I've used words carefully, the invitation and opportunity of responsibility, and that is living as a faithful steward, living as a faithful steward. As we talk about finding purpose in God's blueprint, this is one of the foundational concepts that we have to set our lives upon. I love watching historical documentaries. One of my favorites uh, is I love to watch National Geographic. You guys like that? Anybody like National Geographic? Love it. So there's a series uh, that's currently uh, playing, um, and it's called The Lost Cities. I don't know if any of you have watched those. But one of these series in particular, one of the episodes in particular, is about this incredible place called Machu Picchu. Right? There it is. Machu Picchu. Since a little boy studying history and... When I saw this, these pictures of this incredible city built on this incredible mountain, Machu Picchu—I love just saying that, Machu Picchu—it's um, just cool. I mean, when you look about how high it is, where it's positioned, um, it, it is a—it is a marvel of civilization prior uh, to us. In fact, I—I I, I always say when I watch these, I wonder if the people, ancient people, were probably a little smarter than we think they are, right? So when you watch that. Um, you'll see it. We watched this documentary again because Brienne, our daughter, is flying right now to Ecuador uh, to spend a study abroad semester there. She will end her trip and get to go to Machu Picchu. Uh, I so want to go with her on that. Um, but what I what I really uh, like about this uh, this place, this Machu Picchu, is the mystery of it, and then how it was designed. How it would look, look at how these terraces are designed. This is, this is not just a, hey, we need to build a flat place and build a house on it. This is on the side of a mountain, right? The terraces, as you uh, learn more about this place, are an engineering marvel. And one of the only reasons why this place still exists today, even in its Ruined beauty is because of these foundational structures. They started with these terraces, and the and the purposes were twofold. The purposes for these terraces were to actually hold up the mountain, and then as you unpack and learn what's a part of these terraces, it's a threefold draining system. They had three levels when within each one of these terraces, with different types of rock. They started with the rock that just came off of the stones. They went to smaller rocks. And then the top levers is a pebble type, uh, foundation. And so they get incredible amounts of rain in this area. And this whole design is for keeping the mountain stable and then allowing the drainage to not erode everything off of the mountain. So all of the, uh, the the ducks and draining drainage was designed to fall into these terraces so it was to stabilize and to ensure the reduction of erosion this sermon series is intended to show you and us to show us the blueprint for ensuring that we have laid the necessary foundations and with those foundations the provisions for all the world's erosion. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. I'm pretty sure the Pew Bible in front of you, this is probably going to be on page 1 or 2. We're going to read in Genesis chapter 1, a couple of ch- uh, verses there, and then, uh, early part of chapter 2. If you didn't get a copy of the notes, there are notes out, uh, on the, uh, entry table there, um, and you could follow along on that, uh, through the message so that you can take notes. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. Um, Mike, started is out here. I'm going to start in, uh, just for context, I'll go ahead and start in um, verse 26, and I'll read down and through 2:17. Um, Does that sound good? Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and of the, of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. Verse 28. And God blessed him or them. God blessed them. You might want to pay attention to that. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food, and every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything, get it, all, everything, Uh, that is has that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw that everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day, chapter 2, thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from his work that he had done, so that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Uh, verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, no small plant in the field yet springing up, the Lord God did not cause, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Verse seven. Then the Lord God, complimentary statement here, formed a man of from of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature and the lord god planted a garden in eden in the east and, and there he put the man in whom he had formed and the ground and out of the ground the lord made a spring made to spring up every tree uh, that was pleasant to sight and good for food The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of even to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. Uh, The name of the first was Pishon. It is the one uh, flowed that around the whole land of Havilah and there was where there was gold and the gold of that land was good. Dillium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east from Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. The Lord God, verse 15, took the man and put him in the garden to work and keep it. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you must... You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat of it you shall surely die. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth, for its sustainability, for it comes from you. We ask now, Lord, that as we learn more about what you want us to, to hear, that you would be opening our hearts that the words that you have uh placed in my heart uh would be heard that your word what you want uh to be heard and to be embraced uh would would um, would take root um, we want to be changed by you through this series and we ask for your spirit uh to be among us as we continue to worship you through the proclamation of your word in Jesus name i pray amen Now I want to frame this message, uh, I want to frame this message based on the key verse of this passage. You could probably make a couple of statements on what the key verse is, but I believe the framing verse for this message this morning is found in, uh, 2.17. And it's around these two words, you may and you may not. God's foundational principles start there. You may, and you may not. This is an invitation. This is the opportunity. This is the blueprint, the parameters, the boundaries. You may, and you may not. The text forms the invitation and the opportunity of responsibility. Everything of God's purposes for us as a steward as his vice regent, as Mike said last week, is found in this statement. This invitation is not oppression. This invitation is an opportunity is not obligation. It's an invitation. It's not obligation. It's not oppression. You may and you may not. We need to find out what that blueprint is. And here's the question that came to mind that I'll, I'll give to you that has been stirring in my heart, and I think the Lord answers it very clearly. Have you ever wondered why God put the the tree of good and evil in the perfection of His creation? I was studying this, and I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I had never looked at that before. The Spirit was like, hmm. And as I've studied this, I believe the blueprint is clear, that it's always in the invitation and the opportunity. We all have a choice to trust you may or not. You may not or function outside of his blueprint. Right? It's invitation. It's opportunity. What are we going to do with it? God proclaims this and we must faithfully live within his blueprint. Each one of us has has to come face to face with the reality that we are created to be a steward. And I believe that if there's just something that you're not feeling right about in your life, if there's not something, oh, man, I'm just not, pff, not fulfilled. Maybe things aren't just square. This is your opportunity to take a serious look at this statement and see through the power of the Spirit whether you are living in the may not or the may, the way God has created you to be and become. As we continue in the introduction, I want to say that this blueprint still remains intact today through and beyond chapter 3 of Genesis. It's hard, absolutely, it's harder, because, of course, of course, because of sin. But that does not change this blueprint. This blueprint is intact. This is what you were created for beyond sin it 's invitation and opportunity, which is your responsibility that 's not changed today. I want to what I want to do is continue to to unpack this idea. Uh, the text gives us three words that speaks into this invitation and this opportunity. I want to talk about this with you this morning. Three words are this. If you're following along in your notes, blessing is the first one. Provision is number two. And number three is commission. Blessing, provision, commission. So if you're following along in the notes I've given you, I want you to think about these not in sequence, but in relation to one another. So if you're the center uh, circle in your notes, I want you to write blessing. The next one I want you to write provision. And the third is commission. So each one of those are flowing out. They build upon one another. They work with one another. So when I talk about each one of these terms, they're interrelated. Make sense? I believe it's important to start with blessing. The text starts there. 128 says this. And God blessed them. I start here also because I fear sometimes that many of us forget this blessing. We think sometimes that God's out there looking down on us, ready to point the finger at us and say, Oh, see, I got you again. Boom, you're out. No. God started with blessing. He is here to bless you. What does blessing mean? Blessing is a verb. It means to consecrate, to hallow, to invoke divine care. Huh? Divine, divine, divine is blessing us. God himself, the divine, is giving us a divine blessing. It also can mean, and I believe it all means this, to confer joy and prosperity. Yes, I said it. It means to confer enjoyment and prosperity, blessing. It's to endow or favor. Yesterday morning when uh, Stephanie took off to take Breanne down to St. Louis to get her onto the flight, we all encircled, uh, hold our hands together and circled up and pray- prayed. I prayed a blessing on Brienne. I conferred on her enjoyment. I conferred on her divine care. I invoked divine care. I conferred prosperity through this study abroad. I had to. I can't do anything. She's going to be in Ecuador. I conferred blessing. This is the start of the invitation and the opportunity of our responsibility as a steward blessing in the beginning, God consecrated us. He conferred joy and prosperity on us. He endowed us with favor and that is God's glory and blessing to us. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel and all those, take those things out of your mind. Think about this in God's divine provision He's blessing us. He's blessing you. Do you realize you have the invitation of blessing? You have the opportunity of blessing. Chief of man, love God and enjoy Him forever. That's blessing. Loving Him within His blueprint is our opportunity of responsibility. It is being a steward don't move too quickly past this reality because we often do. We often go to the worst. Oh, God's not loving me. Oh, whatever. Oh, whatever. No. Blessing. Blessing gives us perspective. Blessing gives us perspective. We, mankind, were blessed from the beginning. Again, it hasn't changed Yes I mean it's still there. It's changed because of sin, yes. but that doesn't make this blueprint any different. It's still there. We were conferred to enjoy, to experience, to create beauty and prosper. So often, too often, where's Joel? We look at things cynically. The dark side. And there is truth there. Yes. Don't send me an email. I understand. But that shouldn't overshadow God's blessing into us. What God invoked for us, for you, each one here. This isn't general. This is you, everybody. The reality of our origins, our glory, and blessing, not doom and gloom. Please understand that. Blessing is the number one word in the text. The second word that I want to talk to you about this morning that the text reveals is provision. It's provision. So blessing and provision. This is seen throughout in chapter two. Um, chapter two, verse eight, primarily. Provision. Look look at this in the context of a garden. All right, we're here. Brienne, sorry, toe on Brienne, it's all about Brienne this morning. The illustrations. Brian one of the things that Brianne is gonna do over the next uh semester is her internship is gonna be in the Botanica de Ecuador or something like that. It's one of the, it's a world renowned botanical garden. And she's gigging out on just seeing the beauty of these flowers and the beauty of God's creation. Think about garden as a provision, right? Guys, I know this is stretching you. I'm not the flowery type necessarily, but think of this in beauty, okay? Beauty. When you get a chance, uh, later this week, Google the botanical gardens in Ecuador and you'll see what we're talking, what I'm talking about, the beauty of unique flowers that are only in this region. Provision. God provides for us as His stewards. Verse 20, uh, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in Eden, in the east, and there He put the man whom He formed. Underline the word planted and put. This provision was good, and it was plenty. This provision was also purposeful. God gave Adam and Eve what they needed. He put them there in this unique garden within the vastness of all of creation. Can you imagine hearing the blessing, uh, be fruitful and multiply? And you're like the only people on earth. You're like, oof, that's pretty scary. God started them in the garden. That was the context in which they were supposed to go out into the world. He was providing a unique place for them to live and to grow, very much like each of us. God has planted us and put us in our own little gardens where we learn and grow so that we can go out and and, and rule the world for Him. So His provision through this concept of the garden. It's pleasant. It's pleasant. Part of your stewardship and your opportunity is to understand beauty, to create beauty, to care for beauty. Beauty and enabling beauty is part of our stewardship. Verse 9, And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. Pleasant, good, we, we often move over these words too quickly. Some of the most beautiful places on earth are created by Christians, people who follow the Lord because they wanted to create buildings and, 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 and show and display the creative work of God. That's one of the things that, that I have never figured out with our evangelical perspective. We go for efficiency. Oh, just, we don't need to do anything elaborate. Garden. Beauty. If, if your blueprint for God's goodness is only efficiency and white walls, then you have an improper perspective of your God. You have an improper impre- perspective of your Creator. He didn't put them in a white box. God placed Adam and Eve in this beautiful, lush, pleasant, good environment. Why don't we build on this this is part of our opportunity and invitation as stewards the arts and beauty engineering creativity all of these things are ours to steward he put man in a suitable environment he planted he placed them in a place where they could go they could thrive we honestly don't know how long Adam and Eve fellowshiped with the Lord in this environment. We, we immediately read and st- say, well, immediately after this, there came the fall. I don't think there's immediate right there between chapter 2 and chapter 3. God was present in this place. God was with Adam and Eve, fellowshipping, enjoying the creation talking, caring. We'll get to that in a minute. Man was caring. It was a purposeful environment. He enabled uh, uh, Adam and Eve to enjoy him in this pleasant place. It's provision. Blessing. Provision. Within God's vast creation, he gave Adam and Eve a specific place in which to grow in Him. there's so much. There was so much out there. There was so much in the vast earth. It, it, it had to have been too overwhelming for them. God knew that, and He placed Adam and Eve where He wanted them to start, where He wanted them to begin to learn how to accept this invitation and opportunity as their stewardship, and as they live faithfully in this place with Him. God has purposefully placed each one of you in a special place, from which you are to rule and to be fruitful. And as you live within your special place, that's your stewardship, and that's how you add value to this great and vast world. Under provision, the third key to keep in mind is this word gave. So under provision, we have this garden, we have its pleasantness, We know that He placed Adam and Eve there and He gave and enabled them to enjoy this place. Okay? 129. Look at 129. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant, everything. Behold, I have given you. I could teach an entire five, six-week series on generosity and giving and stewardship. I won't do that. Maybe someday. But God, at the beginning, is a giver. When you give, you are like the Lord. Giving is one of the greatest spiritual aspects of worship. If you see giving as a burden, then you haven't seen God's blueprint. Because at the beginning, God gave them everything. Everything. It was good. It was to be enjoyed. Do do you did you realize that God fundamentally is a giver? How are we living in that? He gave them every plant yielding seed that was on the face of all the earth, and every tree with its seed and fruit. You shall have them for food. He's continuing on uh, verse thirty and to every beast of the earth and to every bird flying of of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth everything that has the breath of life I have given every green plant and food and it was so get the picture anything not a part of his generosity here except for you may not you may it's all here everything except for you may not it's your invitation and opportunity. So blessing. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill. Rule. Subdue. Have dominion. Provision. It's a garden. It's an enablement. It's, we've been planted there. We've been placed there. God gives us this good place. And third is commission. Third is commission. It's purpose within the blessing. Purpose within the blessing. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill, subdue, have dominion over all. 2.15 <clears throat> The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. To work and keep it. This is our commission Within the context of God's blessing and within the context of His provision, He placed us and He put us in a place where we to, were to work it and keep it. There is effort in the perfect, perfect garden. There is effort in the perfect garden. Does that, let that sink in. Work and keep it. This Is how we are to have dominion. To steward the garden and the creation that God has provided. What an invitation. What an opportunity, folks. You get, we get to do this. We get to do this. We were created to work and keep. Now, I won't dwell on this too long because Lev's going to take next week and talk to you about work, but I have to talk a little bit about this. This this speaks directly to God's creation blueprint for us as stewards. What is important that I want you to remember, and Mike mentioned this last week, is that work is pre-fall, right? There was work before the fall. God rested from what? The creative work he did. The creative work he did. He rested. Rest, leisure, work, exertion. This is a transformational frame of understanding and is the foundation of all that we need to understand about how we are to function within God's creation. You were created to work. If you get this wrong, you will approach life unbiblically. If you think work is a part of the fall, then you have not read Genesis properly. Work is and was created as worship within the creation mandate. This is your invitation, and this is your opportunity. Have you embraced that reality in your life? Just... just. That's a a question I want you to ponder this week as you think about what you have to do tomorrow. Think about it. Do you really want to go to work tomorrow? How would your attitude change if you knew that your work was a spiritual act of worship? If you... If you go to work in a framework where, oh my gosh, this is a burden. Oh, I I can't stand work, blah, blah, blah. You will have a horrible life. You will not under, because you're not living within God's creation blueprint. We were created to be productive as stewards within God's creation. Of course, of course, work is harder now. Of course. But being created as an imager of God is to work. Being a vice-regent is to work. Laziness has no place in the Christian life. If you believe your job is to sit around and let the government give you a check to do nothing, then you are not living in God's blueprint. Obviously, there's legitimate reasons for people to be on disability. Don't get me wrong. Don't send me a mean email. I understand that. But if you sit around and say, oh, I'm just waiting for somebody to give me something, then you are being lazy. You are not contributing as a steward. This is your invitation and this is your opportunity. Live as a steward. I've been studying and researching and teaching on the area of stewardship. I calculated it last night. 20 years. For 20 years. And work as worship is probably the top three misunderstood realities of this, of, of our opportunity and responsibility as a steward. If you believe, again, errantly, that work is optional and that there is no purpose in work, then you are out of the will of God. You were created for work uniquely. And that's part of your contribution. Young people, if you don't know what God has created you to be, Go see Stephanie at Tri-State. To I me, mean, you go to Tri-State. She will help you find, and we will get you the ability to take the Divine Design Career Direct Assessment. We just did this for Will. It allows you, as a young person, to understand how God has wired you, how He has created you, and helps you understand what unique blueprint, what unique opportunity that you have to contribute to this world. You were created with purpose, young people. You were created with purpose. Social media does not dictate who you are. You do not need to be the next great thing on YouTuber. Okay? Get a job. Contribute. That's what you're designed for. You were created to make a contribution. This is one of the main reasons that we are our parents. To create an environment for our kids to love And know God, embrace His purposes, and go out there and make a difference in the world. KT, there's your message. You have been placed in this world with a purpose. And you have been given the provisions. You've been blessed. He's provided for you. Live in His commission. You can make a lasting contribution. This is a key element of your opportunity as a steward. Let's wrap this up. What difference does this make? Blessing. Hmm. Provision. Commission. Our invitation and opportunity of responsibility as a faithful steward. I want to ask you three questions. How would your life change? How would your life change if you ordered what you do around this invitation and opportunity? That's your question. That's the question that the text asks us. How would your life change if you ordered or reordered? It's always an opportunity to reorder your life around this invitation and opportunity. It's an invitation of blessing. It's an invitation of provision. It's an invitation of commission. Second, what would your life and or how, in what way, in what way would your life and your perspective change? If your focus, if you focused on what you do have instead of what you don't have. In what way would your life and perspective change if you focused on what God has provided for you instead of what you think he hasn't given you? You see, we spend an enormous amount of time hoping and wishing, oh, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, and he has already provided each one of you exactly what he wants. Why are you not living in that? Why do you keep looking at what other persons have? Every time you open Instagram, Facebook, any one of these crazy social media sites, you will be inundated with how an un, it's not real. It's not real, young people. It's not. You, you, you can see all the things that everybody else is doing and you're like, good grief, I wish I had that, I wish I had And then you're all off on you may not. Live and you may. God has given you, you may have it all, but you're not, don't look at what other people have. How would that change your life if you embrace the concept that you have been blessed, that He has provided something very particular for you, and that you're commissioned to work within that? How would your life change? Those are two questions. My third question is a bit essentially the same thing. Don't move away from this message too quickly. God wants you to be a faithful steward. He wants you to know that you are blessed. He wants you to know that you have been given everything you need. And he wants you to know that he has purposes for you. We of all people should be biblical optimists. People who live as blessed beings who have been given all that we need for life and godliness. We have been given a divine commission to make a meaningful contribution for the Lord while we live on earth, however long it is. And at whatever stage of life you, you are, every one of us from young to old has a can and should be making a contribution to this world. Knowing that this world is merely a training ground for eternal blessing, eternal provision, and eternal commission. Let's pray. Father, how great you are. You give us these foundational blueprints in which we are to live our lives. And it's our invitation to respond <coughs> And it's our opportunity to respond within yes, we may, but so often we focus on the may not. Lord, we cannot do this without you, clearly. And so this morning, as your your word has been held high, and as we've seen what the text reveals about your goodness, your your blessing about your provision for us and about how you've commissioned us with purpose and meaning. Let this, let these truths be emblazoned on our heart. Holy Spirit, um, make it clear for your people here today so that they can live within this opportunity and this invitation to be faithful stewards. And we will do that in your power and for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.